We should all go burn his house down. <laughs> Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and right across from me, as always, is Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going, man? Oh, just another great Tuesday day. The Do you, I, I would do you say, like Tuesdays? I do like Tuesdays. It's part of the days of the week that include things that I like to do, and this being one of them, um, the market... Did some interesting things today. It's been pretty nuts. Yeah. So and far. So, you know, when uh, we're going to talk, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the Fed today. And so when when Jerome Powell, the Fed chairman, was talking, the market was like, uh. <laughs> and then Trump did a little speech and the market was like, oh, OK. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So, well, yeah, it's just crazy how much influence there is over what investors do, like all these massive hedge funds and stuff, probably. It's just all emotion, really. Right. When, when Powell's out there saying, uh, you know, I don't really know. And everyone's like, oh. And then when Trump is out there talking and he's like, this is the best market that there's ever been in the history of the entire world. This is the best. This is the best country that's ever. Things are going to be better. It's going to be historic. It's going to be great and beautiful. People and start to feel good about it. Then everyone's like, yeah, buy. Hit that buy button. Yeah. I like it when this guy's talking about the markets. So it was crazy to watch it just skyrocket while Trump was talking earlier. And it worked out for me. It did work out for Charlie. <laughs> so It did not work out for me, unfortunately, yeah. because I was, uh, I was still short on the market. So that wasn't good overall, but we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. That's okay. You don't always win. No, you know, Charlie you know, rarely, rarely wins, you know, <laughs> yeah. kidding. That's kidding. not true at all. I know. I know this, it's not true. This is a good morning. Liberty podcast, a place where we talk about life, Liberty and the pursuit of meaning because happiness is for fools. It's a fool's errand. Although happiness is fun when you feel it, mm -hmm. but it's not always going to be there. So what what should replace that? Well, it should be meaning in your life. And if you pursue a life of meaning along with protecting life and having some liberty, then you'll live the best life possible. And maybe you can, as Peterson would say, justify your miserable existence. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds really positive. It is. It, you know, it's kind of pessimistic, but there's a positive spin to it. Well, life is you're saying, despite like, my you know, atrocities, there's still something meaningful that I can pursue and perhaps I can make the smallest of impacts on the universe. I was actually writing about that last night, right? You know, working on the book, actually make it two books now to tell, to tell you the truth. And I was Dose writing book as Dose L books yes. as people down South would call it. To, uh, to the books. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> to yeah. the books is I, what people would call hey man it. how many books you writing do sell books <laughs> two of them all right so working two on a couple of them. of them i was writing about it last night and i was writing it was a trading uh trading book it's gonna be short you know but uh i was writing about how each one of us can take on the responsibility to make the world just a little bit better and when we decide that we are going to take it take the responsibility on ourselves to make our lives better and to set ourselves up financially well then we can help ourselves and then we can help the people around us and then we can we can help our communities and and we can save the world one one little bit of personal responsibility at a time mm. it's on each individual person to take that on themselves like we can't all just sit here 
and wait for someone else to do it. So in, in talking about this book, I've been talking about the why behind why would you put all this work into trading? And that is really it because you're going to make your life better. You're going to make the world better by being someone who is who has taken on the responsibility to make a better life for themselves so you can be the one that's helping other people. So we can be charitable. We can help our families. We can help other people. And, and, uh, and with it, all the craziness going on in the world, you're like, oh man, what can I do? Well, what you can do is take personal responsibility. You can help yourself and help your family and make that small change around you. And if everyone, imagine if everyone did that, you don't have to march and run for president or do any of that stuff. You don't have to, you don't have to be like, oh my God, the burden's too much. I can't handle it. You don't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that way. What we talk about is personal responsibility and taking ownership of yourself and things that you can control in your life. And through that brings about the most amount of freedom for everyone and makes, and, and ultimately makes it life a lot better for everyone. So, so if that wasn't an endorsement for subscribing to the Good Morning Liberty podcast, I don't know what is. Listen, y'all, 96% of the people that listen to this podcast or subscribe to it. Don't be one of those horror percenters out there. You do not want to be in that group whatsoever. Those are the people that really just don't have their stuff together. You know, us 96 percenters out there that are subscribing the podcast that push liberty out there to the masses. No one can hang with our stuff. Okay, we just wake up in the morning and we just spew libertarian excellence every single day just principle and, and philosophy and logic onto the masses and you know just what else big, can you ask for big hairy libertarian machines there you go man <laughs> there you go so this just in if we can run on to some news can i can i say something i, I would have never guessed because you jump right into the news <laughs> mm-hmm, i'm sorry i could even yeah i'm, I'm sorry I, I wanted to say we had a Pretty big spike in the numbers recently. We did. So I wanted to welcome all the all the new people. And also, we love all the people who have been following us for a long time. We can't thank you guys enough. It's because of you, actually, that we have all these new listeners. And I wanted to tell the new people to uh, obviously subscribe because you don't want to be part of that four horror percent. And then the second thing was, uh, if you find the show worthwhile, please leave. An, actually, not if. When you find the show worthwhile, leave us a rating and review. Five stars, please. And the ratings keep going up. So uh, we had that challenge and that contest uh, not that long ago. I think it's and actually been helping a, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the podcast has really been snowballing. The ball has been snowing. It, the, the balls are snowing all over the place. And <laughs> the, the podcast has grown by about 50% listenership over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so that we've been really excited about that. It's been a, a really big growth really fast. We haven't been able to pinpoint exactly where it's coming from, except for a big combination of things like the contest we did with the reviews, uh, which now we are showing up in searches for things that we should be showing up for searches for. And we're very, very active on social media. We've had some high profile interviews, some some good things like that. And it's all kind of snowballing and combining together. So that's been really good. That's equaling some advertising that we're getting offers on right now, which is going to be great for the podcast. People on the Patreon who are on their patreon.com slash Liberty aren't going to have to listen to all the advertisements, but people on the podcast will. So if you want an ad-free experience, then you can go over the Patreon. But anyway, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped about it. It's been it. awesome. It's and been a good week. 
And now, with your permission, I would like to enter into the first news story of the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, let me think about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right. So we just watched this press conference. We were talking about this earlier. This is what made the uh, this is what made the the market pump real quick. I don't know where it's gone since then. But Trump was given a press conference, and Trump has signed an order on police reform after weeks of protests about racial injustice. This is from Reuters. U.S. President Donald Trump facing criticism that his policies and inflammatory rhetoric have aggravated the country's racial divide will sign an executive order on Tuesday that seeks to improve how police officers treat African Americans. How about everyone? But but anyway, uh, the announcement comes as Democrats and Republicans in Congress are developing reforms of their own, though they differ on specific details. Trump, a Republican, in case you didn't know that, is expected to call for legislation from Congress that he can sign into law. Trump, in his public comments and on Twitter, has called for crackdowns on protesters and emphasized a forceful and even militaristic response to the social unrest sparked by the death of Floyd and others. Opinion polls show widespread concerns about police brutality. The order to be signed at the White House at noon on Tuesday would encourage police departments to employ the latest standards for use of force, improve information sharing so that officers with poor records are not hired without their backgrounds being known, and it would add social workers to law enforcement responses to nonviolent cases involving drug addiction and homelessness, officers said. So th- that is really the crux of the, of the story here. That's really the big point of the issue. The executive order, the main thing I saw was that they, they said they were going to be establishing a national database for police officers, basically, where their, their, their past grievances are going to be aired the things that have been filed against them, complaints filed against them, and they're going to be keeping better track of this. And there's basically going to be a better background check system for police who have been police officers before. Yeah, the go- I mean, and I'm sure it'll be formal police officers that'll head that exactly. up. Exactly. You know, the government's really good at investigating itself. So. It is. If there's anyone that can fix the government's problems, it's the yeah. government. I saw this hilarious Reddit thread that it was, it was talking about these protesters, and it was all these things. It listed all these things. And at the very bottom, it said... And the protesters investigated themselves and found no wrongdoing. <laughs> yeah. So they were fine. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what else are you going to do? Right. <laughs> so, the, you know, I was trying to think of what a, a libertarian response to this executive order would be. Typically not real big on executive orders. You know, the, that's not that's not a great thing. If you think about your police departments, well, that's supposed to be a representation of your community police forces. And what do you do when the federal government comes over the top of that? On the other hand, I happen to like the reforms that are in the executive order. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to balance those things out. Is it the job of the federal government to make sure that the people who are policing Americans are keeping Americans' rights uh, in, you know, utmost importance and making sure that they're not hiring bad police officers and things like that? I think that there is a good argument on both sides of this. What I will say is you're not going to solve the problem until you get down to the very basis of the problem. And doing things like this, they sound good. Maybe this is a good step. I don't want to just come out and just completely destroy it or anything. Maybe this is a good step in the right direction. But this is not a solution to the problem. We're going to have to talk more about qualified immunity. We're going to, have to talk about the drug war. We're going to, have to talk about civil asset forfeiture. We're going to talk about all kinds of different things that no are knock leading. Raids. No knock raids, of course. Uh, all kinds of things that are leading to the instances that people are having with police that that turn out to be violent simply keeping track of them 
is maybe going to deter a, a little bit, but I would rather we get down to the actual basis root cause of the problem, which which this is not doing. I'm not saying that they're not going to. Like I said, this could be a, a, a good first step. Well, I don't and Trump said he is he's waiting on Congress to pass something that he can sign because, you know, he's limited in what he can do. Um, but of course, this is kind of, I don't know, in a way, probably to save a little face, I would say. And and then at the same time, you know, try to do what he can uh, to say that there needs to be some type of reform. And, you know, Trump has he's pardoned some good people, mm -hmm. you know, like that were unfairly criminalized. Now, he still thinks Snowden is a traitor. Which yeah. is, if he were <laughs> if he were to pardon him, like that would be amazing. But he has pardoned other people like uh, was it William Charles? Ooh, baller move for Trump. Pardon all of the people that are in on on like marijuana, marijuana. crimes. Yeah. Before the election. Old I'm Mary saying, Jane. hey, maybe it's an election piece. Maybe it's a campaign piece. But hey, I would love him for the for him to use that as a as a campaign right. piece. Uh, I, I wouldn't put it past him to to start to start doing that. And I would recommend that to him if you if he wants to. If he were to call you and ask if he when he calls me later today, it's going to be one of the things that I put forward for him. Yeah. So will you call him Mr. Trump or President Trump? Probably call him President Trump. I don't want to get in trouble or be yeah. put be put in prison or anything like that. I don't know what the what the what the penalty is. You'll call him Donnie boy. Donnie, maybe. You know, it's what I used to call him, but not anymore. You know, it's <laughs> El Presidente is what oh, he wants Donnie me to call boy, him now. The so pipes, the pipes how are you how do you feel on the executive order, Charles? Um Again, I'm not a huge fan of executive orders, although it's within his purview for executive orders. I don't, uh, as long as they're not contrary to the Constitution, then I think the executive has the right to uh, to um, write executive orders, obviously. That's part of their um, power. But um, I don't know. In a way, it's maybe a step in the right direction, although... I'm just not encouraged by government investigating government. I just never have been. Yeah, it seems like because something... right now one of the problems with police, and we even saw it in the video. Although I'm not, you know, yesterday there was some more information that came out about the Atlanta shooting, um, which probably explains why the guy ran. Yeah. So it turns out he had, was serving a seven-year felony sentence for for domestic abuse and child endangerment and some other things. Um, and now I'm not saying that makes him guilty and, and worthy of a death sentence. However, I'm saying that's probably why he ran. It's probably why he took off. But you saw it when the when the captain or whoever it was, the officer came out. They have, you know, it's kind of like a good boys club. Like, hey, you know, don't worry. Did you call your family? We'll take care of you. You know, we'll we'll take care of this. Don't worry about that. Go home. Get some rest. You're like, good. I, you're, you're good. good. Yeah. You're good. It's a good boys club. Yeah. You know, and so. Same thing in government, you know, I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine that quit. That's quid. It's literally a cesspool of quid pro quo. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> all, all government does all what the it time. Is. And you know that, you know, they put in here uh, part of this executive order was they were going to uh, recommend. How did they word it real quick? Encourage police departments to employ the latest standards for use of force. How do you think they're going to encourage the police departments to do that? They'll withhold funding. They will hold all that free military gear that that they hand out all the time. That's how they'll encourage the police departments to to employ the latest standards for use of force. Now the outcome of that might be good, 
but th- that's how the government encourages people to do things. They, they, they take money and then they hold it over your head. So I was, I was wondering about, oh, they're going to encourage. Well, they can, yeah. they can encourage things that's when the they encouragement formula, when they say you need to be hitting these standards to receive this money, right. that's how you end up being encouraged to do things. And it's all a quid the, pro quo. Did you read the bottom here? What Pence said? Uh, we're sup- the the very bottom. Oh, the president is going to take this action to assure the American people that we're listening. Vice President Mike Pence said, "We are supporting law enforcement. We're not going to defund the police. Quite the con- contrary, we're going to fund new resources to help departments obtain certifications to improve standards for the use of force, improve training on de-escalation, and that's exactly what the American people want us to do." Doesn't sound like that's what the American people want. Yeah, I mean, it could be minority voices. I don't know, but it's like. It doesn't sound like they want more funding. I've heard from several people that this this whole movement is going to equal more funding for police. That's, and that's exactly that's, that's what, what it's going to come out to be like they're doing. Um, and but they're apparently going to put that money into uh, certifications to improve standards. Maybe some corporate bonds. Yeah. <laughs> different you know, stuff one, like that. I put it uh, put a, a lawyer put it this way. He said, you know, I have to go to eight years of schooling to prove that I can practice the law and I understand it and cops it's six months and then you can enforce the law. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. that's it. That is pretty but crazy. You know, I was listening to the Stapleton program and I ran some of my own numbers and I was having a conversation with some people on Facebook about this. Um, some good friends of mine. One's a, a really smart economist. Another guy is pretty libertarian and they, we were talking about, privatizing the police. And I said, you know, doing my own research and, uh, you know, I've, I listened to the Stapleton program, I believe it was yesterday. And he was talking about, he said $36 per month in Los Angeles is what it would cost per person. Um, but according to most figures, actually it would be between 30 and $50 per month per household. Cause you have a lot of rural towns. Like I looked up uh, Vienna, small town, some other places. So depending, you can kind of spread out the force a little bit. But literally thirty to fifty dollars per month for for per household, sorry, for private police, and that's at their current budgets, which you can tell are way over bloated. Well, like any government budget, there's yeah. there's most most likely no efficiency like you don't in it need whatsoever. A Lamborghini police car, and you don't Probably need all not. the militarized gear or anything like that. And they were saying, um, of course, the first response was honestly, that's not a bad idea either. I'm down for either or our current law enforcement system is a corrupt mess and uh, certainly needs some updating. And the next guy said, it's the best idea, which I was like, well, of course it is. Um, He said, but the United States won't be ready for that for a long time. And our government would do everything they can to stop it from happening. And this is the problem is if police are private, then their only concern is me, my happiness with the, uh, with the, protection they provide and the protection of my community uh, community all government laws regulations decrees and fines become completely useless and arbitrary the police would never enforce them in our community because if they did we would just choose someone else to protect our community the police are really all that stands between us and freedom they'll never allow it and that's one of the problems is that because i was thinking like why don't we just start a private police force well it's probably illegal you can't you can't and they th- won't let you do it. This is the problem I would see happening with the private police force. Now in my my libertarian utopia land where the government is not interfering whatsoever, I can see it working. But you guys know what would actually happen 
is they would because a private police force is going to have to be approved for the use of force over individuals in our society. And that's not just something like you don't just decide, well, the Walmart decides tomorrow that they're going to have a security force that can use force over people and everyone's going to be okay with that. That's not what's going to happen. They're going to have to be ordained by the government to use use of force over the over the private citizenry so that they're going to have to go through what would essentially be a permit process to be able to operate and a, a license and their certification and all the things that the government does to everyone. And what will what I actually see happening, since we know the government will interfere in this, is they'll allow for like two companies to exist. And then they'll what they'll actually end up having is another government-created monopoly, and people will decide that private policing is a terrible idea because we've got these terrible monopolistic capitalist countries out there doing private policing when, in fact, we're not in the free market because the government's going to be limiting the amount of people that can do this. So uh, there's a lot of roadblocks that are going to be in front of a private policing force because the government's going to have to approve whatever the policing force is. It, it, that's just given the current system that's what's going to happen i'm not saying that they have to but it's just how many of you would be okay getting pulled over by an amazon truck tomorrow and them giving you a ticket you're gonna be like you can't give me a what ticket if we call you know? the private police force a militia yeah i don't know huh? can a militia enforce things over you i don't know just willy-nilly i don't know yeah i don't know that and that is where it would lead to you're they're only going to be able to enforce crimes that have victims and actually be involved in things where there's a victim and a crime right at where where that is necessary because with a private police force like i said amazon truck pulls you over and gives you a ticket you're like well screw that i'm not paying that there why would i pay that it's this is a freaking company but they probably don't, they, don't give have, you they can't fake they can't force me to do this so it, without the approval of the use of force and being ordained and, and coupled with the government, people simply won't follow it. But maybe that is the answer to getting rid of a lot of these things that should not be crimes in the first place. I don't know. Oh, I'm don't talking know. about, you know, Nate, this is going to be a common sense public-private partnership. Like a comprehensive reform. <laughs> yeah, comprehensive. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. I just forgot to say that word. Yeah. But now that it's in there, it all makes sense. Well, it says common sense, police right. reform. Exactly. So there's nothing. It's if all, you're against it, then you're against common sense. That's, that's is a, actually what happens. That's what it is. So, uh, Charlie, tell me about uh, the corporate bonds and the Fed and what happened to the market today. Well, Man, Fed, so, Fed screwed me out of a position today. Well, I told you guys that the, that the market was in a little bit of a whipsaw today. So... It actually opened, gapped up quite a bit. Uh, I wanted to say it was like 300 points. The Dow was gapped up um, and it's hovering up. It's up 2% from yesterday's close. And uh, But it, it did have some crazy action in the middle of it. So the Dow started just going up and up and up. And then all of a sudden it fell. I want to say it fell. What did it fall from? About 26.6 down to 25.8. So... Almost 800 point. Pretty big move. Drop in about 30 minutes. And that's when Powell was talking. That's when Jerome Powell was talking, yeah. the Fed chair. Uh, but yesterday, the Fed announced, and this is coming from CNBC, that it's going to start buying individual corporate bonds. So what did everybody in the market do? Be like, oh, well, unlimited corporate debt is going to be bought up by the Federal Reserve. We have, there's no fear. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. And then, of course, you know, around 10 o'clock in the morning, Jerome Powell was uh, being given testimony to the Senate and was a little bit 
I would say wishy-washy that, and so it struck a little fear and a bunch of people sold off and then Trump started talking and it got bought right back up. So <laughs> they're hovering around still up uh 2% right now. They are just above open uh, price right now on the Dow. So, all right, coming from CNBC, the Fed says it is going to start buying individual corporate bonds. The Federal Reserve is expanding its foray to uh, into corporate credit to now buy individual corporate bonds on top of the exchange traded funds it already is purchasing, the central bank announced Monday. So the ETFs that we tell you guys about, uh, which is like the SPY and uh, UCO and SPXL. Uh, SPXL, SPXS, those are exchange traded funds. They're literally just funds like uh, UCO is a Bloomberg fund. It's like a mini mutual fund that a company can put together that's comprised yes. of different stocks and sectors and things like that. And other debt and things like yeah. that. Usually they don't have as high a rating. Um, so that's why they move more because uh, there can be some junk in there. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. So if you guys think about it, like um, everybody should know about mortgage backed securities by now. Essentially, an ETF is almost the same thing. So what they do is they take all of these um, investments and they put a rubber band about them, around them. And they're like, hey, I've got this exchange traded. I got this fund and I'm going to list it on the stock market with a ticker and people can trade it, whatever value it is. We can trade it back and forth. And that's why it's called an exchange traded fund, kind of like a mortgage backed security, although you didn't see those securities on the actual stock listed on the stock market. I don't think, right? Uh, there, well, I'm sure there were some, there were but probably some. you mainly had the mortgage companies. So what they do like is that. they take these funds and they turn them into securities and securities are what you trade. So that's why they're- They turn a mutual fund into a stock that you can trade if right. you want to just anytime you want. So they have been buying those, which is kind of a way around buying corporate debt. And now they're just coming out and being like, yeah, we're just going to buy it. Yeah, we're just going to buy it up. So anyway, as part of a continuing effort to support market functioning and ease credit conditions, the Fed added functions to its secondary market corporate credit facility. The program has the ability to buy up to $750 billion worth of corporate credit. I wonder if Hertz is going to get a Fed, Fed bailout. Might end up doing <laughs> that, yeah. Its March 23 initial announcement is largely considered a watershed moment for the financial markets reeling from the coronavirus threat spread. The decision, uh, this is a quote here, the decision to buy a broad portfolio of corporate bonds represents a shift to a more active strategy for the secondary market corporate credit facility, rather than the passive approach originally envisioned, said St Stephen Friedman, senior macro uh, economist at McKay Shields. So see, this is what happens. Like you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Mm -hmm. So originally when the Fed was set up, they weren't allowed to buy uh, public debt. It's against the law. Mm -hmm. And now they very clearly do it. No one has a problem with it. Uh, and then it was, oh, we're only going to buy ETFs. We're not going to directly buy corporate bonds. Like, have no fear. We're not going to rape the economy that way. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, they're, they, then this is how they, they, this is how they, um, this is how they spin it to you that, they're going to shift to a more active strategy mm -hmm. rather than their passive strategy. That's what you need is for the government to shift to a more active strategy. Yes. That's what that's what we are all needing. So under the latest guidelines, the Fed said it will buy on the secondary market individual bonds that have remaining maturities of five years or less. 
Those purchases will go along with the ETFs the Fed already has been buying, which are balanced toward investment grade indexes, but also include some junk bond funds that track debt, which had been invest, uh, had, which had been investment grade before the crisis, but had been downgraded after kind of like Hertz. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the intent of the individual debt purchases will be quote, to create a corporate bond portfolio that is based on a broad diversified market index of us corporate bonds. The fed said in a new, in a news release. Quote, this index is made up of all the bonds in the secondary market that have been issued by U.S. companies that satisfy the uh, facility's minimum rating, maximum maturity, and other criteria. This indexing approach will complement the facility's current purchases of exchange-traded funds. Quote, what it does primarily is continue to push fixed income lower and tighter and helps prop up the stock market which is the real issue here, said Patrick Leary, chief market strategist at InCapital. It's a reminder to the marketplace that the Fed is here with its balance sheet and is going to deploy that balance sheet to try to support markets and market functioning. So we told you By guys the way, this. The Fed's balance sheet is, is negative. It's got a, got a negative balance sheet. Right. So like they're employing their balance sheet which doesn't have any money, by the way. They're, they're, this is my, my number one biggest problem with this was Ain't nobody got no money when it comes to this. Not the Fed, their balance not, not sheet, the government. Well, not their anyone. balance sheet is unlimited numbers it, on a it keyboard. Is. It just keeps going yeah. forever. It's like an Excel spreadsheet. Like You keep going down, and it keeps making new cells for you all the way down. I think each like Fed president like sitting in San Francisco or Dallas, and they're, like, they're just sitting there with their finger on a zero. Yeah. They're like, is it time? Is it time? Zero. Is it time? Do I get to press a zero? <laughs> Do I get to add a zero? Do I get to... We're only at a trillion. We need 10 trillion. Let and, me add a zero. Let me add a zero. <laughs> and that's essentially how it works. Um, that's the, that's the, um, oh, what's the libertarian child stories? Um, what's those books, that book series? Oh, dang it. Yeah. The, dang it. That's going to drive me nuts. That's the, it's the children's Turtle version. twins? Yeah. Turtle twins. Turtle twins. Turtle, twin. Turtle that's twins. A, those are, that's a much slower course of books. I like Tuttles. Turtle twins. Yeah. I like Tuttles. So it, Listen, that's the Tuttle Twins version. This is it's essentially a bailout, but it's not exactly what a bailout normally is, which which could be money just given the people that doesn't have to ever be paid back. So I, I do want to clarify what the difference is in buying bonds versus just cutting checks to people. This is not a support of this because the Fed doesn't have any money. This is going to aid in creating a bubble. This is going to be propping up a stock market at the time that it does not need to be propped up. What would, actually, what would actually help is if we stop shutting down the economy and allow the economy to function. So the idea that we're going to keep the economy closed off and then also be buying up debt and keeping companies going, you know, not not really something that we're going to support. But a bond is basically a loan. Uh, that's pretty much what it is. It's a loan with a promise to pay with a certain percent interest rate over however many years that you're that you're purchasing the bond, and you're going to get paid back a certain amount of money. So the only silver lining to this, if there is one that you can find, is that the Fed is more than likely making an investment here in with money that they're going to get paid back. From, from the companies, in fact, investing into these companies in the economy could be one of the better investments that the Federal Reserve could make overall, like better than buying, better than government bonds and better than government debt and all that kind of stuff. I know there's rules about the government debt and all that, but it's, 
it's a little bit. But more, I will say the one problem with that is though. Oh, there's problems. I'm not saying the, it's. I'm not the, saying there's no problems. The most massive problem with this is that the companies that live high on the hog, they don't they don't prepare for bad economic times. They spend all their money. They take out more debt. Like Hertz, by the way, you know Avis budget is doing just fine. They were prepared, essentially, for for the economic downturn. It doesn't allow those companies who make bad decisions to fail. Yeah. And those companies need to fail so that we can have better companies with better prices and better products rise to the top. Well, there's that's one of the biggest problems that this that this has. There's a little bit of a counterpoint there in the fact that this economic downturn is not entirely due to the fact that companies made bad decisions. They've been forced by the government to not operate and and not take in money. So it's slightly different from say the, you know, the mortgage industry or the, or anyone that should have collapsed the car industry, the automotive industry, any of those companies that should have collapsed because they were making bad decisions. This is a government force over the top of the companies to force them to not make any money. So I have a little bit more sympathy when it comes to that, but it, Still along the lines of what you're saying, this removes the incentive to do the right thing in the current circumstances, mm-hmm. and it removes the incentive to reopen the economy, and it, and it continues to prop up the, the stock market and everything and, and make the powers that be, the people who are in control of everything, feel like, well, there's really no reason to push on this whole economic fix because, look, everything's fine. You know, we're all, we're all, back, to, we're all back even right now. So, so why would I be worried about this at the moment? So it does create this bubble. It creates a false sense of a strong economy when there isn't one, just like the Fed always does with everything yeah. that they do. They're going to be injecting money where it doesn't need to go. And what I would really like to see from this is that we end all of the economic lockdown and allow people to do business and exchange value with one another and take their own risks and their own lives and go from there. Because what this is, is they shut everyone down and now we're all going to end up paying through inflation for them shutting everyone down and then having to give money to the businesses so they don't all go bankrupt. And this, this is, it's just not a good, it's not a good solution. It's a bandaid on the problem exactly. instead of actually solving the problem. This will be good in the short term. Yeah. The problem is, as my daddy always said, man, the chickens are going to come home to roost one day. All right. right? That, those, those darn chickens always They're come back, man. Going to cock a doodle doos all, all over it. Cockle doodle doo doo all over it. Rooster specifically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's gonna. It, it eventually this all has to come to an end. Um, maybe I don't know. Who knows we're, what the number we're, is? We're in possibly unprecedented fake money territory. <laughs> it's got to end sometime. <laughs> you would one would think. So it, it's gonna look like it's gonna look good in the short term, but we all know that eventually. Like I said, it's it's gonna have to come down. You there keep, has to be some type of foundation. Well, for the businesses to even pay back the bonds, you know, this is the issue that you have with government bonds, where this is how the government takes out loans. They sell bonds to people, and and they say, "You give us this money, and we'll pay you back this with interest." And then, lo and behold, when they come up to having to pay for the bond, guess what? The government doesn't have any money. So they end up having to sell new bonds to pay for what they have to pay on the people they promised their bonds to. And if you don't allow the companies to reconvene an economic activity, 
they're just going to end up being in a big debt bubble by the time these bonds are 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 up to be paid off. So, the, like I said, we're just not solving the problem right. here. It's 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 a band aid to make the market look good. It's not a it's it's not. It is not a coincidence that they happened to announce this at a time when the market was turning and really heading down pretty hard over the last few days. Right. And then all of a sudden they come out and say, oh, we're going to start buying corporate debt. No, they they knew this for They've a little been bit. They were, their back they were waiting for a while. They were waiting for the time that the market started a reversal so they could say that, oh, by, and also we're going to start buying corporate debt. And we were waiting for the perfect time to announce this. So anyway, it's a it's it's and we told annoying. you guys from the beginning. I mean, the Fed came right out and said it in March when everything was going on is that they were not going to let the market fail. And this is just another tool in their tool belt. As Nate said, they probably had it in their back pocket for a while. And now is the right time to say it at the very end here. It says, uh, quote, I think the bond purchases are a mistake. Because they already achieved their objectives, said Christopher Wallen, former investment investment banker and head of Wallen Global Advisors. The Fed doesn't need to get distracted. What they care about is that markets work and spreads don't go crazy. The Fed has to realize that other than assuring that market conditions are acceptable, they really shouldn't go diving into this stuff. So that leads us to probably master my trades because you guys are probably thinking, what's a spread? <laughs> what, what do I mean by don't let the spreads go crazy? And so, Nate, you could probably tell them about what a spread is or tell them to go to Master My Trades to figure it out what it is. Well, in terms of the banking and bond system and, and all of that, they're going to be talking more about overnight lending rates and the amount of money that is available for banks to borrow and and, and all of that. So it's not the exact spread uh, that we're always talking about. But there's these things called True, market but makers. It's still a spread. There's these things called market makers and they're they're in the market to make sure that you can basically have some liquidity and you can you can fill your orders and the more the more liquidity there is in the stock then the lower the spread there, the stock market is an auction all the time there's someone that is bidding to draw to try and buy something for a low price and there's something that's asking there's someone that's asking to sell something for a higher price and the the number that the market is on whatever the stock is is just the agreement between those two parties in that in that specific second it's an auction all the time. And so when you see something going down, it's like you're at an auction and there's not very many people there to buy it or they see that the value isn't very high on the item that they're auctioning off and they have to keep lowering the price on it until they can get buyers to come in and buy it. And so if you're interested in all of this stuff, that's not something that we really always talk about. But if you're interested in all that, learning how to read charts, learning some of the strategies that we use, any of this stuff, well, you can go to mastermytrades.com. You've got till the end of this week to jump in on a seven-day free trial. There's over 100 videos on the website, tons of content. We're starting a new video series today called 12 Rules for Trading. Yes, that is ripped off of 12 Rules for Life. But we're going to be doing a 12 Rules for Trading. 12 Rules for Life, by the way, is modeled off of the 12 Steps for Alcoholics Anonymous, by the way. So anyway, we'll be going same, through the same. same, same. We'll be going through the 12 step process for being a profitable and consistent disciplined trader. So that that's the new video series that we're starting right now. If you are interested, go to mastermytrades.com. So Charlie, I don't know if you know it, but there's still a virus out there. There's what? a sickness going around. What? Yeah. yeah. How bad is it? Um, and there's disease. There's all kinds of things. How bad is it? Well, this one... This one has to do with cancer. 
It's pretty and bad. It also has to do with coronavirus. So this article out of Bloomberg I thought was pretty interesting. This has to do with the UK, but we're going to see similar things here in the US. And there's some projections for the US in here. It says coronavirus. Well, be careful because you're not a medical expert. Mm. So sorry. Just read this with caution. I'm going to read this. And you guys have to know that we are not medical experts whatsoever. So like when we said that there was no way the death rate was actually 5% back in February when we were talking about coronavirus, that was just speculation. Okay. It was all, yeah. It's pure speculation. Spewing non-educated. When we were talking about herd immunity so we could stop a massive second wave, you know, in between our first wave, that was just speculation overall. So let's talk some more things that might have to do with speculation. I don't know. Uh, Coronavirus has massive impact on cancer care. From Bloomberg, new figures from the UK's National Health Service highlight the problems being caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. New data from the UK's uh, NHS showed how the focus on COVID-19 has been impacting cancer care. So this is one of those other problems on the on the back end here that we've talked about when it comes to shutting down the economy when it when it comes to all the other all the things related to covid there are repercussions on on other things it, even in health not just in the economy but that has to do with with health as well marie said all of that was fake news all of y'all. it fake news <laughs> this totally is made up this is a uh, fake news good morning liberty welcome so urgent cancer referrals fell by 60% in, in April compared with the same month last year. That's a major concern given how important early diagnosis is, the successful treatment and cancer survival rates. This and other recent data are a grim reminder that the NHS's much lauded response to the pandemic has come at a cost. How this will affect the UK's already lagging cancer survival rates depends on how quickly the healthcare system can restore capacity and deal with a backlog of cases. But the data suggests we have better brace for bad news. A study published in April modeled the number of excess deaths likely to occur among people with cancer and other problems during COVID-19. So by excess deaths, what they mean are people who are dying who would not have otherwise died had this not been the scenario that we're in right now. So excess deaths. The results suggest that an additional 18,000 people with cancer in the UK could die in the next year. The researchers also analyzed data from the U.S. and estimated the country could see 34,000 excess deaths from cancer. At every stage of what is referred to as a patient's cancer pathway, COVID-19 has slowed things. Even among patients who did get a referral, the proportion who were then seen within the two-week target time was at its lowest level ever in April. The median length of time patients waited for treatment was 12.2 weeks, with more than a million patients waiting more than 18 weeks. There was also an 18% decline in the number of people starting cancer treatment following a referral. Cancer remains the second biggest cause of death globally to coronavirus, no, cardiovascular diseases, and cases are rising in many countries. Despite big improvements in prevention, the number of people diagnosed with cancer each year is set to grow rapidly in the UK. Cancer Cancer Research UK, a charity, estimates that one in two of those born after 1960 will get the disease. Good Lord. Well, one of the reasons for that is that we're living a lot older. Yeah. And eventually your body's like, doesn't something, know what to do. Something has to happen. Right. That, that's one of the things we say, well, cancer rates have risen so much since the early 1900s. I'm like, well, yeah, the, the uh, life expectancy was like 53 yeah. at that time. And the, the the cancer rates, it's usually 55 and older. It's your yeah. greatest chance of so, getting cancer. Yeah, yeah, we've seen an increase in cancer <laughs> as people start to live longer. <laughs> yeah, we well, didn't used to live to 55. <laughs> you didn't live long enough for cancer to kill you. Something right. else killed you. 
Over the past decade, cancer care has been steadily improving in Britain, albeit from a low baseline. There is now a more ambitious national cancer strategy, better data reporting, more investment, and greater public awareness. There are targets for the time between referral and receiving a diagnostic test, two weeks, receiving a diagnosis, 28 days, and starting treatment no more than 62 days from the date of referral. All this stuff is being changed, by the way, because of the response to the coronavirus pandemic. This is people deciding that they have to stay in their homes, being told they have to stay in their homes, hospitals uh, not being at capacity when it comes to their doctors and nurses or being above capacity when it comes to other things and, and not being open for what are seemingly elective treatments or procedures and things like that. People are generally staying away from the doctor, even when it comes to checking to see if they have cancer or starting treatment if they have cancer. People are start staying away from the doctor. So it says, uh, even so, the UK lags behind almost all other advanced countries in one and five year survival rates for most cancers. That's probably because of their evil capitalist system. Now the pandemic threatens to set back cancer care considerably. Uh, let's see real quick. More worryingly, can uh, COVID seems to have deterred people with symptoms from seeking help. We spent the last, this is a quote, we spent the last decade saying to people that if you sus suspect symptoms, please go check it out. COVID has set that effort back. Some are worried about wasting the doctor's time during a crisis. Many fear for their safety. So that's, that's going to be a big thing. Uh, treatment plans are also impacted. The big post-COVID change, apart from capacity constraints, constraints, is that providers now need to weigh the risk of giving immune-compromised patients treatment that will make them more vulnerable to complications from COVID. Here's another thing, Charlie. I don't think anyone should ever worry about this at all because it's it's you only care about money if you worry about things like this. There's another potential hit to the UK's cancer-fighting effort, a loss of funding. Mm. Charities fund 60% of all cancer research in the UK. Can I say that again real quick? So, yeah. Charities fund 60% of all cancer research in the UK and 40% of all medical research. They also provide vital services from nursing to support lines and financial aid for patients. Charities fund 60% of all cancer research in the UK. That's insane. In their national health system that they have, their beautiful socialistic free healthcare system that they have. Thought it was all taken care of. 60% of the research is coming from charity. Mm. Good Lord. Cancer Research UK spends more than 400 million pounds, which is 502 million a year, supporting research at some 90 different institutions. So anyway, this is this, the charity is projecting a 25% drop in the income this year and has already made a 44 million pound cut to its research portfolio. Anthony Nolan's bra, uh, Braun says it expects a fall of a quarter to a half of gross income this year. So anyway, guys, this, you know, we have talked several times about how there are going to be several, several back end problems with the response to coronavirus that could in fact make the response to the coronavirus more dangerous than coronavirus. Now, the, the numbers don't perfectly show that right here with specifics to cancer. But it is important to note that the UK has had 40,000 deaths from cancer. And right now in these projections, they're projecting 18,000 excess deaths from cancer just because of the response to coronavirus or just mm. because of the coronavirus. So then you got to ask yourself, well, cancer is only the number two thing that people are dying from what about cardiovascular uh, cardiovascular disease what about other other things are you actually going to end up saving lives at the end of the day 
that would be my question. Is there a better solution out there? Is Sweden the better approach as far as this goes and not shutting down their because entire the economy? Because the ultimate goal should be uh, to be against death. It should be for the least amount of people to die possible. If that if that's your goal is to save the most amount of lives possible, then we can't only think in terms of COVID-19 because there are other problems in the world. Hmm. Like cancer, which is the number two cause of death. I don't know where coronavirus is right now, but it's probably still number like 10 or something like that. Probably higher than that. You think? I mean, I mean, like you mean lower number, lower on the ranking, lower on the ranking. I gotcha. Yeah. I don't know where it is specifically. I'm sure if it's cracked the top 20, it might be in the top 20 potentially, but no, maybe not. Maybe not. So how do, how do you, you got diabetes? All kinds of stuff. Yeah. You got you got all your, kinds of lung problems. You got your heart problems. You got your pneumonias, which is obviously going to get conflated with COVID nineteen. Obviously, so pneumonia numbers are going to be up. They'll probably be double double dipping those numbers more than likely. Uh, that's speculation, just so you guys know. But that if I were just to imagine such a world, you got tuberculosis, you got AIDS, you got hepatitis, all this stuff. Yellow fever. Yellow fever. Yeah. Malaria, malarium, yeller, yeller fever, <laughs> or yellow fever and malaria. The same thing. I yeah. can't remember. Kind of milk of magnesias. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Listen, obviously not healthcare professionals here, but you don't have to be a healthcare professional to be able to ask the simple question. Are there other problems other than COVID-19? And at the end of the day, are we actually saving more lives than we are, than we are destroying? Yeah. And you should be able to ask the question. Maybe the answer is we are saving more lives. All I'm saying is you should be able to ask the question and have the conversation about it. That's all I want to do. Let's get the data. And not be told, well, you can't talk about it because you don't have a degree. I mean, they even go into the financial impact here. The simple question is, are you against death or not? A lot of people are not. And if you're not against death, then then, uh, maybe you shouldn't be making decisions. Even though we don't know hardly nothing. What did you say the financial impact was? I'm just saying that just because the fact that charities are funding 60% of the cancer research and the charity is saying they expect their gross income to go down by a quarter or 50%, 25 to 50%. Because which would, when be people loss, are, which would be a loss of, what, 150 to $250 million. Potentially. And so why would that happen? Well, because we've shut down the entire economy. So it still comes back to economics, by the way. Mm-hmm. Still comes back to economics. Most things do. Most things do. And especially when you're dealing with the fact that it takes money to save people's lives, whether the government is fronting the cost for you so you don't actually have to pay for it. It still takes money to save people's lives. Your free health care is not an ask for doctors to work for free. It's for someone else to pay for the health care for you. And if you destroy all the ways that people make money, then no one's going to be there to pay for the health care for you. Including the way the government makes money. In all the ways. <laughs> Taxation. Tax yeah. receipts are going to be way down. Yeah. Way down. So it, it's, I don't, it gets frustrating because we're so against death and this has become such an incoherent, irrational, subjective argument that has just become political and we can't actually talk about the numbers and suggest, hey, Maybe more people are going to die from heart disease and cancer and all these other things that all the, you know, people in Africa from starvation and tuberculosis that weren't going to die. And you could end up with millions more people dying around the world than who would have died. I don't like any of the people dying, Mm -mm. but if you're going to be doing 
triage and there's a new virus out there, you got to be at least honest enough to do some of the numbers. Or you're just a you're just a partisan hack. That's that's really all you are. Full of hack jobs. Just a partisan hackery all the time. Are we going to do this last story or you want to go on to these videos? We can go to these videos real quick. Yeah. Um, so I saw this really interesting video. Now, listen, I don't like everything that they post, but this video came from came from the Hodge twins. And I, this this isn't really a conversation about immigration. Uh, what this is, I mean, that's what's in the video, but that's not where I really wanted to go with it. What I wanted to talk about is the the insane bias that goes into people's political parties and their political beliefs. So this is uh, campus reform going around asking people uh, about this quote on immigration. Well, uh, they'll tell you about it. They'll tell you about it real quick. Um, it's really interesting when they tell them that the quote is from Trump. And then when they reveal to them at the end of the day that the quote is actually from Obama, it's just, it, it's, it's mind blowing to watch how this goes. All right, let me play this real quick. Also, campus reform. Today, we're going to be asking students for their opinion on the policy of deporting people that are illegally here and have broken the law. We're going to be reading them a quote in support of that policy, but what they don't know is the quote is actually President Obama's from 2014. Will that change their opinion? Let's find out. Donald Trump announced this past week that he would be urging ICE and other administration authorities to seek out people living here illegally that have broken the law to deport them. So I have a quote for you here that's been making the rounds on social media about the deportation of criminal illegal aliens. We are a nation of laws. Undocumented workers broke our laws and I believe they must be held accountable, especially those who may be dangerous. That's why over the past six years, deportations of criminals are up 80% and we're gonna keep focusing on threats to our security. Uh, What's your thought on that quote and that policy in general? Uh, I think that policy comes from a place of like white American nationalism. Donald Trump has kind of like embraced this rhetoric of like racism and xenophobia that is not beneficial to our country at all. I don't think that that quote really stands true. This administration has totally not done anything moral. This is really awful. Amnesty does not necessarily mean that we're losing border security. I think that Trump feels that way. I think that's a bad decision because like the United States should be open to like immigrants like it's uh, like they call it land with the free for a reason. We just have to advocate for those kinds of people and people like in Congress like Ocasio-Cortez who is helping people um, overcome these kinds of things. Crimes do not nullify your humanity and people are coming here in search of opportunity. I'm going to show you the person that said that quote. <laughs> is that surprising? Yeah, a little bit. Why is that surprising? Because I thought it was the Trump administration that said something like that. Yeah, it's quite surprising. I thought it was from Trump. But I didn't expect it to be Obama either. Why did you not expect it to be Obama? Um, because... I just, I guess, I don't know, like, it just never, it never occurred to me that it could be Obama. Is that surprising that it's a quote from President Obama? Yeah, that was surprising for sure, yeah. Do you think it's still a practice of white nationalism, though, to deport criminal legal aliens? I think the way Trump's doing it, it is. Okay. What? But oh, President Obama, to this to this point in Trump's presidency, Obama actually deported more people, though. So it's in practice, it was more from Obama, though. What's your question? I I'd say I, my understanding of uh, Obama versus Trump is that just that Obama uh, was uh, more liberal as far as amnesty and border security. Uh, 
I expected that quote to come from Trump. Yeah. I mean, it just shows the hypocrisy in politics. So one person can say something five years ago, and next thing you know, it doesn't apply to them anymore, and that they can now be the morality police for whoever is in charge now. Does that change your opinion of the practice to know that President Obama did the same thing? Actually, to this point in his presidency, deported more people than President Trump had at this point. Um, no. Again, I just think that there's a moral way to do it. And I don't know a ton about Obama's um, deportation policies, but I imagine that they were a lot more humane than the ones currently going on. Oh, well, hello there. Okay, so I thought that that was pretty uh, pretty interesting. Like I said, I, I didn't really want this to go into a conversation about immigration because, you know, I don't want you guys to give me a bunch of crap the whole time. <laughs> so, no, but I just thought that it was it was crazy to see the bias that's out there. This is a really good proof of it. Whether or not you agree with the, you know, the basic talking point between any of them, it's crazy to see the bias simply because of people's political party or simply because of what the media has said about them. Now, I'm not out here trying to defend Trump on any of the stuff or anything like that. What we do have to do is... I don't know. Check your biases, people. That That's really what I would have to say about it, is don't just assume something because of who the president is or who said it. You, you, you remember when they said it was Trump that said it, the very first response was that was out of white American nationalism. And that's the assumption. I mean, remember, that's a that's a big talking point. It's going around the country right now mm-hmm. that this is out of this is out of white nationalism that came from President Obama's mouth. But the assumption was that this policy was out of white nationalism, or that quote was out of white nationalism. It's pretty crazy when you think about it, and, and you just consider, I don't know. I like what one of the guys said, which was, this really proves the point that all politicians are lying to you. In one point, they, you, they can have policies five years ago, and right now they can be the morality police for everyone, which I thought was a really good point, because Obama's out there, Joe Biden's out there, all out there talking about how they're going to help the black population or this, this and that on immigration and all of those things when really they're just politicians and they all do, they all say and do the same things. Just lip service. It is. That's all it is. It is. So, and it's hilarious how quickly people forget, you know, I Marie mentioned said Obama's half white, so it could have been <laughs> his partially white, his white side. Yeah. I was wondering what reparations would look like for Obama, like if you just took money out of your wallet and then put it back in your wallet afterwards. Do <laughs> you think that maybe that's what that would look like? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. This is going to be a very complicating policy for sure. Well, it's what I said, you know, uh, I think it was last week when I said Obama used the word thugs and now all of a sudden thugs is racist. It just doesn't make any sense. People are quick to forget um, what actually happens. And, and and who said what? You know, Clinton, you could argue Clinton and Biden are the ones who started all this, you know, 30 years ago. Really, now. really big part of it with their with their crime bill, for sure. But 30 years ago, now somehow Biden's going to be a savior. Yeah. What? He's all of a sudden at the at the age of 132 has come had a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. And now he's going to be a completely different person. He's Biden's not all about arresting. He's all about molesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay don't arrest just molest <laughs> that should be his new campaign slogan right there that's a good one. Oh man you might be able to get some money for that one right there man i mean he could buy that from you that's a good one 
So because he is handsy, you know, just he probably won't put you in. Well, he might put you in handcuffs. Yeah, just wouldn't take you to jail. <laughs> so the other He'd thing, take you to church. Other thing I thought was cool uh, before we uh, finish up the podcast here. So in New York, uh, the mayor had these parks welded shut yesterday. I remember I, we reposted a video from Young Americans for Liberty showing welders out there shutting the park down. They had locks on them. The locks had been cut and they ended up just welding the chains together. And so this group, uh, uh, these the Jewish community went out there and is cutting off the the chain that's on the fence. And I thought this was a really good example of like a peaceful protest of civil disobedience that they locked up this park that's a little bit confusing because there's so many people on the other side of this fence that they're cutting right now um but they they locked it up and and now they're now they're cutting off the chain and it's a great you know it's a great metaphor for government and it's also a really good example of civil disobedience saying hey you lock this thing up we're going to cut the chain on it and we're going to have our kids play in here that's just what we're going to do so let me play that video for you real quick And if that is not a great metaphor for what we all need to do to the government, I don't really know what else is. Not to just be, you know, disrespectful to the cause, or this is really goes to the rioters and the looters, but you notice that these people's response was not to go burn down their church. You know, that, that's not that's not what they did because they were upset about chains being put around them so they couldn't do a certain thing. And take the bolt cutters and go cut the damn chain. Like that's that's what you need to do. And don't punish anyone else in the process. Don't punish any innocent victims in the process. Just get the bolt cutters and go cut the chain. That that that's what you need to do. So that that's really when I saw that, I just I posted as a gif actually Mel Gibson running through on the Patriot with the flag, yeah. you know, <laughs> just running. Hold the line. I mean, that's that's what I saw. And Sam commented, "Look, I'm." One of the funniest comments I've seen on Twitter in a while is uh, someone commented and said, "At least they weren't throwing Mazel Tov cocktails." <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shoot, that's good. So basically, um, this you know, Good Morning Liberty has a new tagline. What's Cut that? Cut the damn chains. Cut the chains. Yeah. They're going to be putting you all in chains. Break them. Sorry, that's a Biden quote. My bad. Yeah. I should pull that one up sometime. Marie said earlier that he sees he's seeing people posting uh, that Biden is for blacks. Yeah. Well, if you if you don't vote for him, then you ain't black. So, of course, and he's for blacks. Of course, he is. <laughs> the only so. people that are going to vote for him are black. The people who don't vote for him aren't black by, by definition. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> so anyway, uh, guys, <laughs> CNN, Magoo said, CNN headline, funny, this is a uh, white supremacist out of control, demolishing government property. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what the headline yeah. probably is. So anyway, guys, that's, I just want to leave you with that great metaphor, seeing people just going up with bolt cutters and cutting the chains. That's what we got to do. You got to find a way to do it. That's what we're trying to do every day on this podcast. 
If you are interested in hanging out with us every single day, go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty and hang out in the live group every single day. We keep getting new supporters on there, new patrons. The podcast is growing faster than it's than we even expected over the last few weeks. So we're, we're very excited about that for sure. If you guys are interested in supporting what we are doing every single day, if you're interested in supporting Liberty and the movement and getting this information out to the most amount of people possible, then go ahead and jump on to patreon.com slash good morning Liberty. Go do it today. And by the way, guys, it's 30 days before you actually get charged on patreon.com. It's basically like a 30 day free trial. It's like a 30 day free trial. Uh, Everyone can confirm that with me, but that is what I've noticed. It looks like it's 30 days before everyone gets charged. And that's what Lions of Liberty told us as well. I know we were supporting them and it was, it was the same thing with our, with our support for them on their Patreon. So it it seems to be the thing on patreon.com that you don't get charged for like a month afterwards. So it's like a 30 day free trial. They just don't call it that, you know? So anyway, Charlie, try out the 30 day free trial, patreon.com slash good morning Liberty or the seven day free trial of, of mastermytrades.com. Yeah, that is a truly seven day free trial. So you guys can sign up, watch as many videos as you want and then cancel if you want to. But you do need to understand the financial markets. You need to understand the very basics of how to read a chart just so you can see what is going on when the articles come out about finances and different things. You're like, I have no idea what's going on. Well, we put all that information together for you in a fun, uh, enjoyable educational process. I mean, the way you have it set up, Nate, is just, it's beautiful. It's just brilliant. So, by the way, Maurice said that uh, what they do is they charge on the first of every month. So it depends on when you sign up for Patreon. So if you sign up right now, you will enjoy a 14-day free trial yeah. of your patreon.com slash Liberty. Or sign up on donation. July 2nd. And you get almost a whole month. I wouldn't recommend that, though. The you know the word on the street is the prices are going to be tripling on July second. Yes. So you know, sign up now for everyone that's not grandfathered in. You want to go ahead and sign up now because you're really not going to save much money if you wait until then. Exactly. You so do the math. I just on made it. that up, but <laughs> it sounds like a good sales technique. It is, <laughs> except for saying that I made it up. Right. So, so. Uh, guys, get involved in the markets, mastermytrades.com. That's the Liberty Trading Academy. There's no other academy you want to be a part of <laughs> than a Liberty Trading Academy. We're all about freedom and the free markets and liberty. Learn how uh, the markets move, what the price action indicates, how to read a chart, how to not necessarily predict what the market's going to do, but get an indication based on previous price action and understanding what all of that means by going to mastermytrades.com, seven day free trial sign up. It is the best value on trading that you're going to find out on the market. So uh, do that or don't do it and and remain uneducated in the markets <laughs> if you don't do it. So that's mastermytrades.com. And if y'all do all of that, share the show, please, with a friend. Keep sharing it. Uh, we like to see the numbers go up. We want to see this message move throughout and support the Liberty movement. So keep sharing and leave us that rating and review. Do all of that. We'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. You know, the rapidly rising, uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with, uh, I don't know, uh, 